is Bear Siragusa, and you are listening to the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. All right. How you doing, Charlie? There you are. You actually have some internet today. I thought we were going to get you on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a bunch of wildfires around our area right now. And they were talking about shutting down power. Um, so transformers don't start fires. Oh, right. So everything's been so dry and so hot and windy today. So no, we're good so far. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Charlie, you and Nick have uh, spoken before, at least. You know who each oh, yeah. other are. Yep. What's going on, man? Good to see you. Not much. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on, both of you. I uh, It's always a pleasure, Nick and Charlie. It's fun to fun to talk to somebody new. Or, you know, you're not new in the sport. You've been doing it for a while, but always fun to get a new guest on the podcast. So tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, Charlie. Like what... Uh, what are you running? Where are you running? Um, well, I am from the Pacific Northwest, uh, Oregon specifically. Um, just running raccoons with my three big hounds and then just got a beagle here recently. Mm-hmm. So I'm running some rabbits with her. Cool. Um, yeah. I'm trying to pressure Nick into getting a, 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 a beagle. <laughs> He knows all about those. I'm starting to start trying to wear him down. A little bit of peer pressure, subliminal yeah. messaging, things like that. That's it. That's it. I'm going to have to just, what people don't know is right here in my house, literally 40 yards away is my dad's beagle lot. So I get a lot of beagle activity, you know, then barking and stuff out here. So it's going to be easy this fall. Just sneak over and grab one or two, throw it in the box, you know, and exactly. go out for some test runs. Exactly. Yeah. They're fun little things. They're fun. They are fun. How old is your is your beagle pup? She just turned a year. Okay, cool. Yeah, just turned one. Cool. Cool, cool. What size beagle do you have? She's, or she's uh, supposed to be? 13 inch. Okay. Yeah, yeah she's a little one. Yep, I think that's about where my male's going to end up. He's uh, He's real little compared to... Compared to some of the other ones, even from that litter, he's got a brother that's pretty big. But I, I think that Mike's going to end up being about 13 inches. No, Mike, you've had him uh, kind of getting after a couple of things on the walks, haven't you? I've seen on your Facebook. Yeah, he, uh, he, we bumped a deer because, you know, here in Norway, you're not allowed to run uh, deer with a dog that's over 16 inches of the shoulder. Mm-hmm. The idea being that the dog's not going to be able to move fast enough to stress the deer to the point of exhaustion or to the point where it's not going to be able to recover. Makes sense. Um, yeah. And that has, you know, has to do with both the terrain, but also the severity of the winters here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so that's my plan with Mike is to use him on deer. Cause it's either that or I can, you know, I can use them on hair or things like, or something like that. But, um, the hair is not enough of a solid deal for me to be able to use, um, Mm -hmm. for me to be able to use that. I don't, I don't think. Okay. So, uh, 
I think I'll use Mike on on the deer. And yeah, we've we've been out walking a bunch, and we uh, bumped a roe deer. I don't know about four four weeks ago, a month ago, something like that. Yeah, hmm. and uh, yeah, he was just kind of doing puppy things, you know, chasing butterflies, rolling around in mud puddles, things like that. <laughs> You know, yeah. the, the deer jumped out in the road and the wind was right. So the deer didn't smell us, but we, we could smell it. And he, uh, yeah, went from, you know, idiot pup to hunting dog in about a half second. Ran that. Flipped the switch. Yeah. It was cool to see, you know, that he ran that one for about, uh, wasn't that long, 10, 10 minutes maybe, <laughs> but you know, went from having never been more than, you know. 15, 20 yards from me to, uh, you know, suddenly being, you know, more than half a mile out there after the steer. It was pretty, pretty cool to see. Yeah. And then he found his own, you know, it wasn't just sort of a, a, a sort of incidental bump. He went out and found his own here last weekend. He, uh, he found a, a tracked a bedded a deer to its bed and, and we bumped that one as well, which was, which was fun to see. So yeah, he's he's coming along. You know, he's still he's still green, but having fun with him. He's a uh, he's a uh, seems like a nice, uh, a good pup. The uh, funny thing complicated the whole the whole deal. I've had to change a little bit where I'm dropping him because mm-hmm. I had a funny experience uh, hunting fox here about I guess that was two weeks ago where I was running my American Foxhound. I've got a little bit like you, you're talking about Charlie, you've got both the beagles or the beagle and then the tall hounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running my American Foxhound Vipi and, you know, people have heard me talk about her on the podcast. You know, she, she's really inconsistent. She can have a day where she is just blowing the other dogs out of the water. And then she'll have a day where, you know, she can barely get out of her own way. I mean, yeah. sometimes literally like, you know, look up at a tree and run into another tree type type of deal. Yeah. But uh, I dropped her. She went out about 100 yards and started barking. And it was not like the I'm on the trail of something barking. It, this was not like a, a con, you know, it was it was a contact bark. It was like treed, yeah, but super aggressive, like with an angry note that I had never heard from her before. So I'm thinking, you know, the first thing that crossed my mind is, you know, maybe she caught a badger on the ground. Mm-hmm. So I start walking in there, just sort of whistling Dixie. I've got this stupid little shotgun with me with bird shot, you know, or number three shot in it. And I get to real close and still can't see him because it's pretty tight. It's pretty close, you know, tight forest and stop to listen. It, it, it occurs to me that maybe this is something more than what I think it is. And I stopped to listen and all I can hear is her losing her mind. Like I've heard her at the most. I've heard her at about 65 barks per minute on the Garmin. Mm-hmm. And she was at 120. Wow. Just she, like she was excited. Oh, she was <laughs> excited and just angry. Like, so I stopped to listen and I can hear her, but over her, I can hear. <sighs> 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 and then 
this like clapping noise, like, mm. uh oh, and it suddenly occurs to me. It's like you know, I think that's the noise bears make when they get angry, <laughs> and the wind switch, the the wind sort of swirled, and you know, suddenly she went busting out of there with a big old brown bear. Wow! And it took me like an hour and a half to get her off of that. Bear. She, I mean, she was on it like cat hair on Velcro. She was, she was not okay. about to drop that bear. Tom out here, you know, because Norway and America, a little different species of stuff. When you say brown bear, I hear people, you know, toward the west say brown bear, get up there, Alaska. They're mean grizzly. Some yep. there's black, there are brown. Yep. Good talking here. Yeah. No, this was not a cinnamon phase brown black bear. We don't have black bear over here. This was a. Okay. This was a Eurasian brown bear okay so like bigger the, than black bears i assume much bigger than black bears um okay not as big as the grizzlies most of the time there are some of them that get i mean absurdly mm. big but okay you know this is going to be like because the grizzly is going to be like the inland brown bear right mm -hmm. in, in alaska like yeah. Char Charlie, you you be you, yeah. you live out on that coast. Like you can answer this better mm -hmm. than I can. My understanding is the grizzlies are like the inland brown bears, and then you've got these coastal brown bears that are a little bit rounder, not quite as interested in yeah eating people. Yep. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The inland ones they don't have a problem eating people. Okay, it's the is it the coastal ones that can be kind of a hard to handle, or is it the is it the I think that. As far as I know, they all are. Uh, we don't have any. Well, they say we don't have any around here. Uh, okay. They're all up further north quite a bit, mm -hmm. or Montana area. Yeah, a um, lot of black bears, though. A lot of black bears. I'll bet. Yeah, no, I'll bet. <laughs> so yeah, so this was a this was the Eurasian brown bear, and it was a uh, a decent sized bear. You know, I I don't have a lot to compare it to because they're not that common here. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, at least dwarfed her and they ran over the road twice before I was able to pull her off. And the only reason I pulled her off is because it's super not okay for a hound to be <laughs> running the brown bear over here. They're okay for the most part protected. And when they are allowed to be hunted, they can only be hunted by a dog that's going to herd, like herd them and bark not a dog mm -hmm. that's going to actually pursue them. Okay. Which is interesting. a, it's an interesting distinction. That's a, it's a nice way to say, that's a nice way to put it. It's, it's a distinction that drives me insane because, mm -hmm. you know, when they have predation problems, which they have all the time here, because there's not a lot of bears, but they let all their, sh all the sheep out during the summertime. Right. So the sheep are out there totally unsupervised and are obviously easy marks for the bear. When the state allows a bear to be taken, it's usually because of its, its pre, uh, preying on domestic livestock. And then they use these uh, Norwegian elk hounds or these Swedish elk hounds to hunt them. Which, I mean, there, there are some good dogs amongst those, but as a type, they're not, they're, they're not reliably good bear dogs. There are some, there are some 
members of those breeds that are fantastically good bear dogs. Mm-hmm. But your average elk hound is not going to be a particularly good bear dog. And uh, so they, they use a lot of time trying to catch these bears with dogs that really aren't well suited for it. And then when that doesn't work, they go up in helicopters and try and find them that way, which costs the taxpayer an enormous amount of money. Yeah, It's a lot of money to get a helicopter up there and get sharpshooters to go and find a bear in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, if they just allowed the use of hounds, it'd be done, you know, problem solved in about 10 minutes. Yeah, but yeah, it's a lot the same way here. Is it? You know, they outlaw they outlawed running bears and lions in like the mid nineties here with dogs, and right. it always makes it kind of makes me laugh. Anytime somebody gets attacked by one, or there's a problem one, they call the guy with the hounds to come tree it. But yet our fish and wildlife department says that's not a effective way of managing the animals or hunting the animals, which is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. yeah, that is, it is ridiculous. And, you know, I, I think that I, you know, that, so that was the reason to sort of make a long story shorter. Uh, that was the reason I pulled Vitby off because, um, you know, I didn't want anybody complaining that I uh, was intentionally running uh, a bear with a hound, which was, you know, absolutely not the case. We were out hunting for fox. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, I didn't know she had it in her. You know, this is a dog that, you know, is afraid of cheese. If you offer her a piece of cheese, that dog will run away from you. But apparently, you know, <laughs> brown bear. a 600-pound brown bear is just, like, no problem for her. Yeah. So, no, it was, uh, th- that, was, that was pretty fun. That was pretty interesting. So the... Uh, yeah, the uh, rangers and the wildlife uh, researchers got in there and got some DNA and things like that, and and um, were are working on establishing, based on other collections of DNA, other places where this bear came from and and what its travel path has been. So, did you call them and tell them or something, and they went in there to find some fur or something? I mean, how'd that work? Yeah, you said I, collecting that. <clears throat> well, where she had bumped. Where she had bumped that bear hmm. was its bed in a blueberry patch. Okay. Well, so, I guess what I'm trying to get, I assume that they're so rare here or where you are that if you encounter one, you kind of let the authorities know so they can be informed and pattern them and do some data research. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Ideally, okay. you would do that. You know, gotcha. a lot of people won't, hmm. but ideally they do. Okay. That's so cool. So there was some... You know, it had clearly been there for a while because there was some, you know, there was some scat and things like that in there that they went in and collected um, Mm -hmm. to, yeah, just kind of create a database. They've got a great database over here of of the bears that are in Norway and, you know, where they are, who they're related to, things like that, which is actually pretty interesting. Huh. But it's good that, you know, that come out of that whole situation, though, you know, yeah, that nobody may have known that bear was in there and now was able to collect that data and add to it a little bit just because your your dog decided to bump them up. And run. Yeah, exactly. My do- dog decided to run, <laughs> run, tra- 
Trash. <laughs> trash. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of trash, how, how's that for a transition? Yeah. You, you wanted to talk about that, Charlie. What, a, what, what do you have to say about trash? So, I, I don't know. I think it's funny how, you know, I'm part of a fair amount of Facebook, you know, hound hunting groups and stuff. Mm. Like, my dogs are coon dogs. That's what they are. I don't want them running anything else. You know, they'll put up an occasional possum or something, which, you know, when they're puppies, you know, I would, you know, praise them up. Good job. You know, you treat it, you know, anymore. Mm -hmm. I just pull them off and we just leave. Now I'm not going to whip them. I'm not going to, you know, do anything like that to them. Sure. Cause I don't care if they, if, if, they, go, if they put it up the tree, they, you know, they put it up the tree, but I'm not going to praise them for it when they're at the age they are now. Sure. How old are your dogs, so by the way? Um, my two blue ticks, they're litter mates. They're two. Mm-hmm. I have a July foxhound. She's three. Oh, cool. And then I have, then I have a Walker blue tick cross that she just turned six. Okay. Yep. Um, and you know, I posted on Facebook, oh, they treat a possum tonight. And then you get these guys on here that are, oh, you need to call that dog. You need to, you need to get rid of that mud. It's running trash. And you know, my thing is, well, what exactly is trash? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you, what do you consider trash? Right. You know, I'm kind of, and like, what do you guys think? What do you think? What do you consider trash? Well, I mean, he, here, I, I guess it, a lot of what I would consider trash would be, there's so many restrictions on what we can and can't run with specific dogs that, you know, I've got to treat things that I probably wouldn't consider trash there in the States as trash here. Right. You know, so it, yeah. it would, it would not bother me at all in the States if I found that I found out that, heck, I've got a hound that'll run bear. And I was actually out after Fox. That wouldn't bother me at all. But here, like I need to do mm-hmm. something about that. So like bear is trash here. Right. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, for me personally, like the things that the beagle I'm going to hunt deer with, but otherwise I, I wouldn't want, you know, my tall hounds, even if I wasn't, even if it wasn't illegal here based on how tall they are, I don't think I would want my tall hounds running, running deer. I think I'd be treating that as trash. Right. Yeah. I think here or with me, anything I don't want them to. I mean, yep. you know, you yep. can you, you can hunt bear here, but if my dog gets on a bear, he's running trash just because I don't bear hunt. So it's just depending on every hunter and every situation what he's wanting to run at that time. Sure. You know? So, but I got yeah. one purpose hounds, and some people have multi purpose hounds. You know how that goes. So, yep. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, you know, same way as Nick, you know, it's whatever I don't want to run it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have all day to take my dogs out and run a bobcat. You know, I just don't have the time. Right. You know, I don't have mm-hmm. the patience for it. So for me, you know, like that, a bobcat to me is trash. Right. Now you say that to some bobcat hunters over here, and boy, they get upset. Right. Because <laughs> you know, how, how dare you call that trash? Well, then they, you know, same way they might turn around and say a raccoon's trash. Right. Well, for me, mm-hmm. that's what I want my dogs chasing. <clears throat> right. You know, I think this word trash is. Uh, I don't know. People say, oh, well, this is trash and that's just the way it is. Well, for me, it's not, you know, bear and lion. We can't hunt those here legally. Right. I don't want them running bear and lion. Right. So those are trash. 
Right. I'm, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I know what you're trying to say. Is it's, it's like, you know, what is that old saying? One man's trash is another man's treasure. You know, it's 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 going to be sort of in the eye of the beholder, uh, the yeah. eye of you know whoever is running those dogs. Now, if I was competition coon hunting or something, and they started running possums, you know, tree possums, then yeah, that would be a problem. Right. But you know, I don't. I just go out a couple nights a week and just go enjoy the dogs. So you know, I've told people too. You know, well, I'm the one feeding them. Yep. So. You know, as long as you're happy with your dog, that's all that really matters. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Do you yeah. get a lot of do you get a lot of like negative feedback uh for uh what you let your dogs run and what you don't let your dogs run? On some, like, yeah. On online, I guess I, I don't get a whole lot of negative feedback to my face, but I off, I often get negative feedback. It seems to be the breeding ground for negative feedback mm-hmm. on social on social media. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, that's kind of why I don't really post a lot anymore right. of anything they've done because, like, you know, I don't need the, I don't, I don't need it. I'm happy with what they're doing. You know, they're yeah. other than skunks. If I could get them broke off skunks, that would be great. But, um, yeah, you know, I've had people <laughs> say, "Oh, why don't you run Bobcat?" Right. Like, well, I don't. I don't want to run bobcat. I don't have the time to make a bobcat dog for one. Yeah, I would and, like to talk to the houndsman that does not consider skunks and porcupines trash. Yeah, yeah. My poor dog. She got one last Saturday. Like oh. I was talking to you, Bear, about it. Yeah. She. I. I we. We had just turned loose and we were walking. We were probably only hundred yards from the truck, mm-hmm. and I see two little skunks walking in front of us. So I'm getting my rifle, getting ready to shoot them. And I look over, there's a little creek about 50 yards off to my left. And I look, yeah, I got the dog standing next to me. I'm looking out of my peripherals and here comes another skunk up out of the creek. Yeah. And my one blue tick sees it, runs over there, grabs it, starts shaking it. Just, it it was a disaster. Golly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry to laugh. It's just... Uh, it's it's just yeah. one of those things that anybody that's done anything with dogs not here in Norway because we don't have skunks here mm-hmm. and we've only got the hedgehog so we like don't have the full-blown porcupines either <laughs> okay and I have just it is one of my favorite things about living over here is that I can let my dogs out and there's three things I don't need to worry about I don't need to worry about the right to retrieve I don't need to worry nope. about skunks, and I do not need to worry about porcupines. I'll tell you a little skunk story. We don't have too many skunks here, and honestly, I can say, and of a skunk, you know, like on purpose. But I got kind of a side side uh, infestation of the smell on my dog one time. Went hunting, and um, this kid reached out to us and said, "Hey, I want to go hunting with you. You mind if I tag along with you?" I said, "Yeah, sure, come on." I mean, he's, you know, 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, whatever. Well, I made him at the Cracker Barrel, and he pulled up in his mom's Camry car. He was borrowing at the time. Dog was sitting in the backseat. He didn't think nothing of it, you know, but that's important for the future. So we take off. We go down. Well, his dog gets in there and finds a skunk and just bays it. It sounds like he's treed. Well, my young hmm. pup cut off of his track, went to back him like he shouldn't have. We got there. <laughs> He'd killed the skunk and was slinging it everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> so we get in there to him, 
And it's obvious by the smell which dog really got a hold of the skunk and which one was around the skunk when it when it passed. Right. You know? So uh, I, I had some residual stink on my the woods, and I was pretty well over the. We'd only hunt for like an hour and a half, but I was like, yeah, you know, your dog stinks pretty bad. I got to stick him in my box. This is, you know, I'm pretty much over this. We'll get together and hunt another time, buddy. So right. we get in the truck, <laughs> we go on, pull back up to the Crackle Barrel parking lot. It dawns on me. This dude's got to take this this rank skunk mm-hmm. smelling hound and put him in the back seat of his mom's camera <laughs> <laughs> and drive. I, I never did hear how that story went down. You know, I don't know if the kid got kicked out or. But. Yeah, yeah I, I hunted out of an SUV for first a couple of years. I was hound hunting, and thankfully never had that happen. Of course, until I actually got a truck, and then. We hunt a lot of farms, so we got a, a blueberry farm that we hunt, and then grass seed farms and hazelnut orchards. So the skunks are there's a bunch of them usually. Really? I mean, we, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, the the skunks are the skunks are rough, but you know it's like apart from some you know residual you know social life casualties and the smell. You know, luckily some vomiting. I guess there's you know there's not a lot. Not a lot of long-term benefits. You know, I've, I've had dogs that got quilled where I've pulled quills out on the other side of the dog, you know, 10 years later. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. The, the quills are just, are just brutal. I, I've got a pup making some noise here, so I'm just going to kick him outside real quick. I'll be right back. Good work. He saw the cat and got kind of got away from me there. Sorry about that. Run trash. Running trash. Running trash. <laughs> Running trash. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the trash thing is so, it's one of those things, you know, I, I talked a little bit to Becky Dwyer about this. Um, there's so many strong opinions on social media, and, you know, social media has kind of created this where all opinions are created equal suddenly. Mm people that wouldn't have a voice suddenly have a voice. And in some ways that's positive, you know, in other ways it's not. And I think that it gives the people who are just, you know, that sort of some people just want to watch the world burn. It gives them a voice Mm -hmm. and you can post something like, Hey, we, you know, like you said, we ran a, we treat a possum tonight. And then you'll have somebody who's like, I don't know this person. This has no influence on my life or no bearing on my life whatsoever. But I'm just going to be a dick. You should kill that mm-hmm. dog. It's it, it's just, yeah. It, it's one of those things where, you know, if if you if you put yourself out there on social media, which we do just by posting, you're going to get somebody who's going to just intentionally want to be a dick. It's just one of those things where I don't know how much time I I'll post things and then I'll just kind of check out. Like there are a bunch of, if you go back and look at some of the stuff I've posted, there are usually comments that I've not replied to because if somebody asks me a hard question, like, Hey, where did you get that information? Or Hey, why did you do that? I'll answer those questions. I love, I love questions like that. Somebody who actually makes me consider and think about why I've done what I've done, you know, cause maybe I've got a real good reason or maybe I, 
did something knee jerk without thinking about it and actually thinking about it leads me to a a better solution that I can use the next time. But I won't answer the people who are who are like you know all the people that got on me for when I bought Buzz. Who, I mean, it turns out y'all were right. But you know, you didn't know that neither did I. Yeah, time. <laughs> they didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I ran into that um actually this this week, I woke up one morning and there was some dude, I won't give his name out there, uh, just because I don't want to give him credit, but like 40 of my YouTube channels, he just went back and just went to trolling, found one thing hateful to say about like every one of them. Okay. And I said, dude, man, I really, you, like, you can't, you'll never understand how much I really appreciate. He's like, what? I just went off. I said, dude, by you going back 40 videos, leaving comments, you know. I said, all you did was bump the algorithm up and oh, you make a, make not laugh yeah. YouTube pop Thank up. Thank you so more. much. Yeah, I, said, I appreciate that. You breathe some life into four year old <laughs> videos. It's pretty cool, right? You kind of have to wonder too. It's like, what have you got going on in your life that gives you the twenty hours you needed to watch every single one of those videos? Exactly. You know, well, hateful person to say something hateful on something you just posted, but if they want to fish back to four years of your stuff and then find something. Yeah, they they got they don't have much time on their hands. No, they don't. or they have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's funny. I've had people say, "Oh, your dogs are no good because they treat a possum," and you know, I kind of say, "Well, come on out, bring your yep. dog, and we'll see how you know how not good they are." I mean, I'm not saying my dogs are perfect by any stretch. I mean, they're they're still young. They're still you know they're still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go. Let's go hit the woods and let's see. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where. It's really easy to, it's really easy to judge people based off of what they post on social media, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't do like, I, and I've talked about this before. I don't do grip and grins. Yeah. And 90% or not 90%, the majority of any successes I have while I'm hunting, I'll post a picture of the dog. I'll mm -hmm. post a picture of the skyline. I'll post a picture of the meal that I prepared, but I won't post a picture of that, of that dead animal. Yeah. Nope. And, you know, I've had people who have sent me, you know, messages being like, well, pictures or it didn't happen. It's like, okay. It's like, all right, you know, I've got those pictures too. Yeah. If you all want pictures of what I have done, I've got those pictures. I take ripping grins, you know, I just don't post them. I just don't post them. Yeah. You know, so people take things at face value and it was, it was a real funny, one of my favorite groups. And I do mean this. So it's, it's one of my favorite, favorite groups, um, on Facebook is the old school houndsman page on Facebook. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice, it's a nice group. I think for the very most part, they're they're good. Seem like a good group of folks. But occasionally, someone will post something, and then they'll just get like a hundred comments of people reacting. When you read the reactions, it's become so clear that they reacted to something on that first sentence and didn't actually read <laughs> the entire <laughs> post. Yeah. yeah, you know, so. It gets to the point where after a while, I just stop caring. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's like I 
I get to the point where if somebody wants goes to the trouble to send me a message, a personal message to tell me that I suck, I'll answer that message because you went to the trouble to contact me. I can at least say thank you very much. Coming from you, that's a comp. You know, whatever I want to say. Yeah. But the people that just, you know, res- respond to something I, I post. I had one guy send me a message saying, I'm sure you know who I am. And I was like, I have no idea who you are, dude. <laughs> and he was like, I'm the one who, who's been posting the angry emoji on yeah. your posts. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, has somebody been posting the angry emoji on my posts? <laughs> like I had to go back and like, look, it was like, oh yeah, geez, somebody <laughs> is posting the angry emoji. On <laughs> so it's, it, you know, it's, people are so ridiculous that it's like if people hop on there and call your dogs crap because they're running trash to that person you know you know i got i got an observation i've made recently and it's probably um complete ignorance if it's observed by me but kind of ties in both what you're talking about the whole social media is I know of about five or six, I'd say 18 to 25 year olds locally around here that are out, out coon hunting six nights a week. I don't even know where they're getting the places to go because I can't find it. You know, I admire the fact that they can go, they got somewhere to go, and they're still youthful, feel enough to do it. And they're posting on their Facebook, and I follow some of them on the, was that, Snapchat or whatever, and TikTok. Sure. And somebody who follows all these kids sent me this the other day. And they said, have you ever noticed that all you see these kids posting is like videos of their dogs at the base of the tree? And I was like, yeah, nah, I hadn't really paid no attention. What, what, what are you getting at here? And he said, well, they never shined up the camera up in the tree and showed that they got the coon. He's like, I don't think they're actually training any coons. I was like, hmm. what does it really matter? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, think about this. I was like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, well, not 20, but 10, 15 years ago, that's all it was on social media. Have you treated the game that you're pursuing? Not trash. You know, did you harvest it? The gripping grand picture. Youth, locally anyway, to me, only thing they care about is that hound. I don't know if there's a coon in that tree. There could be 100 coons in that tree. I have no Those kids in their videos were so excited and ecstatic that their hound was standing up on a tree barking. You know, you can see the excitement in the camera. Their, their hands are just shaking. Their dog is on this tree, and it's doing what it was bred to do, whether it's fully successful or not. We don't know. And honestly, we don't care because they don't care. Right. They got out they wanted to, and everything they post is about that dog. And social media drug us so far away from that, I think, back, and it really – pleases me to see that at least locally you know i can't speak for the the country or whatever but it's really refreshing to see these kids putting their heart and their excitement into what it's really about heck they were so excited they probably didn't even look they're yeah. probably just stoked that their dog was treeing yep yeah which is awesome you know it's 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 awesome and it's it's something that i 
I see the lack of. I believe that a lot of what we see on social media is is rose colored and not does not reflect the reality most of the time. Yeah. And I sometimes it does reflect the reality when people have a success and that's fantastic. Good for you, but at the same time, you know, it's created this thing where anything other than black and white success is looked down upon now. Where, you know, like, you know, for, for example, with, with Virpi, that hound, I have never worked so hard on a single dog just to get the dog to open up on the trail. Mm-hmm. Getting her to start opening up after all that she went through as a pup was a monumental task and is one of my biggest successes in my hound or in, certainly in my hound career, but also in my dog in my dog training career. Because I got this dog totally broken. Not as in like broken from trash, as in totally destroyed. Right. So, you know, that was a huge moment for me because I knew how much work went into getting to that mediocre point with this dog. It's what I had to work with and that's where I got. Yeah. I am still to this day, that still makes me smile every time I think about it. Even though I've got dogs that were born able to do more than Vipi will ever be able to do. The fact that I was able to go from point A to point to that point with her was felt like an enormous accomplishment when it when it finally happened. Yeah. So, you know, but that's not something I ever shared on Facebook because I realized that yeah. For most people, this is going to be sort of a minimum basic requirement. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, it's it's like telling a thirty year old that you know, oh, you you can wipe yourself. Well, congratulations, <laughs> man. That's yeah. a, you know, it's if you consider where she came, where she had come from, where she'd started, it felt like an it felt like a a win. Yeah. But. I think that's what's what's a little bit of a bummer. You know, I, it sounds like I'm hating on social media, and I'm on social media quite a bit with the podcast and things like that. But it's there are downsides, mm-hmm. and I like the posts where a kid will be like, "Hey, my, you know, I've got this two year old dog, and all he wants to treat is possums." I love it when people with a little bit of perspective, people like Becky Dwyer or Unic or some, you know, or with a little bit of perspective, get on there and be like, Hey man, congratulations on having a dog that's treeing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, the whole social media thing, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It is. But one side's sharper than the other. And I think the negative side of it is a little sharper because like you say, I'm all about freedom of speech, but when you put it in the wrong hands, it can be hurtful. And if someone, and they're putting something out there hoping that someone they look up to sees it or comments on it. And then maybe other people or even that person throws out a hateful comment like that. You can set a kid or an impressionable person, someone new to the sport, 
so far behind and so such a distaste for the people in the sport and the sport. You do just it can be irreversible damage, really. You know, and the other side of that sword is social media is keeping Hausman in the front line where we're not forgotten about, you know, right. yeah. whatever. But uh, we've preached this a million times. You got to be careful with the social media stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you do. And, you know, what, the the thing that I've and I don't know whether this is the right thing to do, but it, it's something that I've started doing more of is actually reaching out to the people that are getting those negative comments. And, you know, if, if, if they're, if they deserve the negative comments, I'm not going to touch that one. Mm. You know, there was a, there was a, (laughs) when you start asking for health advice on Facebook and start getting the, Mm. the solutions like, you know, force feed it tequila until it passes out as the (laughs) sort of the solution. I'm not going to contact that person when they get jumped on for being an idiot. That person deserves it. They deserve it. it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, at the same time, you know, I, uh, I, I like to contact people and be like, Hey, you know, don't take this too seriously. Like, you know, the people that you, that are responding to you right now, (sighs) they're they're the bottom of the barrel like they're they're the Mm -hmm. worst that we have to offer and i believe that the people that are going to hop on a newbie and tell them how much they suck you're the i mean and i'll I'll speak directly to those people if any of you any of you listen to this podcast you suck yeah you know you guys suck you guys are destroying you are doing more to destroy what we love than you're as bad as the antis yep in my opinion yeah yeah i've been out hunting with people that are fairly new and that you know i'm still fairly new too i mean i've only been in it what six years now yep but people like oh you know these people tell me this dog's no good and i need to get rid of it this this and that and i same thing like i said earlier are you happy with your dog do you like your dog well yeah okay that's all that matters you're Mm -hmm. feeding it you're happy with it it doesn't matter what they think right I agree completely with you and it's just I don't know there's there's a sense of you want validation from your peers and people you look up to and that's what they're looking for a lot of times you can't blame them and we've all been there in anything we've ever done but you know there there is come a time where you have to say okay if the validation or recognition I'm getting from from my peers and my mentors or whatever doesn't align with my happiness then okay we're, we're on the wrong side of this line here i mean i've got a dog my oldest hound she's actually tattooed on my arm um she cool. was my first hound you know i i screwed up with her big time you know a lot of people she'd be gone by now you know started out hunting her on properties that were too small so if she'd be running a track opening a track i'd have to call her off because she hit a fence you know now she won't run a track but you know what if i i still take her out with us and you know, she's seen too many raccoons in a cage, which, you know, I didn't think that was a thing. People told me, oh, yeah, don't do that. Well, it is a thing. Um, but I still take her out with me. And, you know, she hears the other dog's tree and she'll go in there. And I've found out over the last probably year, maybe year and a half, that if she's not treeing, mm-hmm. it's not in the tree. Yeah. And we've looked and we, we have confirmed it. Right. 
hundred percent of the time now. If she's treeing, it's in there. She's right. either looking at it or she watched it go up the tree or whatever, but it's there. Right. Like yeah. I, I kinda call her my check dog, like especially for the young dogs. Like I know it's there. And she's never you know, she won't run a track, she won't open on a track, she won't none of that. But man, if she's treeing, I know it's there. Yeah. That's now, when great. you say she won't run a track, is she just not opening, or she literally just has to come across a tree? Yeah, she's just got to come across the tree. I mean, okay. she's she'll find layups. Yeah, like she'll find yeah. layup coons. She'll, but I think it was just that because the property I started hunting her on, it was only like 15 acres, and all the people around it were very anti-hunting, mm. very, you know, kind of yeah. like I was worried for her. So she'd yeah. be, you know, at six months old, she's running a track, opening it up, but she'd hit that fence, so I'd have to call her off. Yeah. You know, and you do that enough times. I mean, they're like, "Well, I'm not supposed to do this now." Right. Yeah. You know, right. You know, I yeah. think she cold. I think she cold trails sometimes. You know, because the nose is going, and I can watch her working. You know, working it out. But mm-hmm. yeah, she just and she doesn't get very far away from me anymore. Yeah. You know. You know, it's crazy the tiny little things that we can do sometimes. Not even quite understand we're doing them. They can totally alter our dog. You know, like when I moved back um, here beside my parents, there's a subdivision when I was growing up, was not there. And I backed right up to it. And my dog, you know, my hound was barking every time I pulled in the driveway or, you know, coming in at one o'clock in the morning, coon hunting, he'd bark a minute or two till I went in the house. I got cut tons of complaints, law called on me, had put a note that, you know, about four or five months of him having to wear one, one day on, one day off, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. He got to where now he's almost silent on track. He does track, he does trail. But my whole here in the hound race, out of him is almost non-existent unless it's super hot you know i feel like yeah. he's looking yeah. at the coon and it just sucks you just never really know like you talk about that cage thing it's a real deal but i know dudes have shown dogs 100 cages that never affects them yeah. so you there's a probability in all this stuff but none of it is a sure science you know i mean in a way it kind of worked out because now i know you know i mean a lot of guys say all oh, my dogs are slick tree and like you know She's kind of worthless for everything else, but laying on the couch and, you know, let me know there's actually something there. So, right. Yeah. Well, the accuracy of a dog is to me one of the most important things. I'm too fat and these hills are too steep to walk to a slick tree, you know? So (laughs) I get that. Yeah, I do. I do too. And, you know, it's, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. One of the, I've had, you know, I ran do- sled dogs for a bunch of years. I know you did when you were a youngster, Charlie. Yeah. In uh, my time. My fam- <laughs> yeah, you're, go ahead. No, I said my family ran. I mean, I was probably 10 when they got out of it, but heck, I can still remember, you know, we had 14, 15 dogs at a time. Yeah. We, I lived in Northern California at that time. So we had a wheeled sled that we'd train them in during the off season, you know, through the orchards and everything. And cool. that was great. Had my one dog that I raced when I was, you know, seven or eight. That's like awesome. I sent you that picture. Of yeah, that one. yeah. Yeah. You did. Well, That's one awesome. do- the one dog, like quarter mile race, you know, those were always fun. I love those. The, the kid, <laughs> the kids races are always a blast. Half the time the dogs finish without the kid. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, that happens. I love it. It's the best, you know, but, like in my in my career, uh, I had three leaders that were really truly exceptional 
exceptional dogs. And two of those were somebody else's rejects. Yeah. You know, somebody else's trash. One, you know, I, I had a, she wasn't one of the best I've ever had, but I had a, I had a dog that I got for free was given to me on, as a condition of borrowing two other ones. I could borrow these two other ones if I took her and never, ever came back with her. Right. And, you know, their, their reasoning, they had, you know, they had a reason for it and their reasoning was okay. You know, it was sound. It was, they, that dog had a quality that they found to be a deal breaker. But it was a quality that I was confident that I could work with. Right. So I said, all right, that's fine. And the quality was, was that she would go, if you put her in lead when you left the yard, she would run about 10 miles and then she would lay down. Totally quit. You'd need to put her in the bag. For most people, that is a, an absolute deal breaker. You don't want to have a dog that quits on you. That's, that's, that's an unforgivable sin. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. But I had a sneaking suspicion that she did not like the speed in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that she was throwing a tantrum. It wasn't that she didn't have the confidence because there was something about the way she looked at me when she did it that told me that this was not a lack of confidence or an, oh, I don't want to do this or I'm scared or anything like that. But that was a sit down and you know what? Screw you. Yeah, I'm not going to. Right. I'm not going to because screw you. That's why. Mm-hmm. And so what I, it wasn't even that complicated. Like all I did is I put her in the back of the team until we'd gotten past that 10 mile point and then I could put her up there. That dog would go for 10, 14, you know, 10, 11 hours after that. No problem. Mm. But the initial startup, the chaos around the startup, she did yeah. not like and did not want to have to deal with it. And that was her way of it, which is, you know, realistically a sled dog's only way of putting their foot down is to stop pulling. Yeah. And that was her solution was to just, you know, I do not like this and I don't know what else I can do to make you understand it. It's funny you say that because I can remember when we were doing it as a kid, we had a, a Siberian Husky that would do that same thing. This one was, it was pure white, which was pretty rare with the blue eyes. Cool. Um, and my dad ended up getting rid of it because it would do the same thing. I mean, it only run a mile or two. And it's just like, no, I'm done. I don't want to do it. Right. And there's nothing you can do to make it nothing you could do to make that dog run right but yeah he ended up going to find another home i remember that now Hmm. yeah i mean it's sometimes dogs are gonna they're going to try to get through to you one way or the other yep and uh a lot of times you're not gonna nobody's gonna like i mean nobody's gonna like having a dog refuse to do something for them but, you know, I want to know why they don't want to do something. And, and, and it was part of what, I, what interested me with, with Vitby as well is I knew the guy that I got her from was a good houndsman. Mm-hmm. I had seen him run, you know, I'd seen his other dogs. I'd seen her kids, uh, Vitby's kids, and they were, 
they were solid and he was solid and the stuff that he said was solid. So I didn't understand it. But I, I, you know, I wanted to know who he got her, you know, I sort of tracked her owners back to the very first one. Mm -hmm. So not her breeder, but the one who the breeder had sold her to as a pup. And I got into contact with him and suddenly this dog made a whole bunch of sense. Because I had a dog that if I put her on a fox track would turn around and walk behind me. I had a dog that wouldn't leave my side. And I had a dog that when she that refused to open, even if she was inside of what she was chasing, she would not make a sound. And I didn't have another hound at that point. So I was curious as to why. And I also wanted to see just as a challenge being new to the hound sport at that, at that point, I'm still new, but I was like super new, like brand new. I wanted to see if I could actually get through some of this stuff. So I tracked this guy down and I talked to him. I you know, just said, Hey, I, you know, I've got this dog and just wanted to know what your thoughts were about her. And he said, Oh, that dog's crap. And I said, Oh, well, okay. Why, why do you say that? He said, no, she's, she's too soft. And I said, okay, well, what, what was she doing that was, that said that to you? He said, well, I would put her on a Fox, on a Fox track and then she'd go off and chase something else. She'd chase rabbit or something. So, you know, I just got tired of waiting for her. So I went off and did my own thing. So he dropped the dog and then he'd leave. So she learned that when she was all done, that he wasn't going to back her up regardless. And when he was all done, when she was all done, she could go back to where she last seen him and he wasn't going to be there. So she learned that she needed to keep track of where he was. Additionally, he hated her so much that he started letting her just tear around and then he would go and hunt another dog. Hmm. But that other dog was this big old male plot. And every time she opened up on a track, that dog would go tearing off through the woods, catch her, beat the crap out of her, and then take over that track. Mm. So she learned that every time she opened up, this monster came out of the woods, kicked her butt. (laughs) And yeah. So she learned that if she left that guy's side, he was never going to be there when she came back. She also learned that every time she opened up, she was going to get her butt kicked. Even if it wasn't him doing it, mm-hmm. she learned the lesson. So it, it, it gave me perspective as to why she was doing these things mm-hmm. and gave me a place to start breaking her off of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, those are two problems that she doesn't have anymore. She's got a mm-hmm. whole bushel of other problems that I don't think, uh, I don't think she'll live long enough for me to figure them all out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you but know, you learned that she wasn't a junk hound. She was a product of her circumstances when she was raised. Exactly. You know, and that a lot of times can be played with and improved. And exactly. you did that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's got the ability, she's got a great nose She's got a lot of drive. 
but she has she has these skeletons in her closet that just these demons, these ghosts that pop up and sort of derail whatever cool thing she's doing you know, still mm-hmm. a lot of the time. You know, yeah. but it's it's one of those things where I, I and I I do so much wrong. And that's that's the other thing is like you could take a dog like Buzz or you could take Vip or you could take Dan the plot or, or, you know, give me a year with Mike and then take him off my hands. You're going to find that that dog has some habit. Those dogs all have habits that are going to drive you insane Mm -hmm. that I have managed to teach them obliviously, not realizing that some weird thing that I was doing was actually teaching them something that I did not intend to teach them. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of the things that I, I wish all these young guys understood and I wish these old guys and, and these these know-it-alls on social media would remember that these young guys are going to be making all of the mistakes that they made when they got into it. Yep. And to criticize a beginner for being a beginner is asinine. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the... I I wish that people would would remember that when they're online, when they're commenting on people, uh, the posts of these younger guys, or even, you know, really anybody. It doesn't matter who they are, whether they're young or old or whatever. When you're commenting, just for God's sakes, try and be nice. Yeah. You know, if you you listen to any other podcast that's got the 80-year-old houndsman on there talking, or if you've seen any videos with them, or you know any and you speak to them, one of the common threads, it seems like every one of them, when they talk about their great hounds of the past, that old Bobo dog of 86 or whatever it was. Right. Boy, he had this. Uh, we had to work so hard to get him through this, or you know, he had this problem, or he he almost got crippled up, and we spent two years getting him back, and then he was hammered down. And yep. there's always these things you never hear of the great dogs they had. Was well, I turned him loose? And he was four months old, and he struck a bear, and or whatever, you know. And I right. never had to work him a day after that. That's that dog, whether he exists or not, I don't know. But that one never gets to the the greatest fall time hit yep. list when it comes to talking, you know, that's and like you're talking about your dog there, you may have others that hunt better, but you know, that one is such a high up on your standard because the things that y'all went through and worked her together, you and her made a bond that a lot of hounds you may not make with because you had to put so much time into her and the younger mm-hmm. people or the, the novice or whatever need to understand that, that it's those hounds. When you look back, those hounds are going to be like, man, I'm so glad that was, that was a pain in the butt when I was going through it. I was yep. aggravated or whatever, yep. but man, those were the good old days. That was a good time. You know, I'm so glad that happened. Yeah, or we had to go through it. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And you know, the thing is, is like Vitby is almost apart from Buzz who won't hunt at all. Vitby is always probably going to be the worst performing hound I've ever had. But I have learned so much more from Vitby 
and her not doing the things that I want her to do than I ever learned from, you know, Dan was one of, is one of my favorite hounds of all time. Dan did everything right from the moment mm-hmm. he was, the moment he hit the ground. You know, he chased, he, he chased moose and uh, which I, which drove me crazy, but you know, that, that dog is a hunting machine. He was outperforming both of my other hounds before he was even close to a year old, but I didn't earn any of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was dumb luck. Yeah. Emphasis on dumb. Like that was, that was dumb luck. Yeah. It's it's hot. It's fun to hunt a dog. Okay, I'm not saying. Oh, it's, yeah. It's not for people listening or whatever. But you know, looking back, it's the appreciation, not the product, that really kind of for me defines what being a houndsman or hunting with hounds is about. Absolutely, and I think it applies to all to all dogs. And it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Charlie, you'll appreciate this. Yesterday, a, a friend of mine uh, died of cancer after. Um, mm after fighting it for about 21 years he got diagnosed in 2001 and he got he got worked his way through it but what got him back onto his feet was he was a dog musher was the dream of getting back on the runners mm-hmm. and he worked through it he lost his saliva glands he lost a bunch of his teeth they radiated his jaw and he got back on the runners cuz that's what he wanted to do and that first solid, solid team that he put together after he had gotten back from the cancer, he felt legitimately that those dogs saved his life, yeah. that they gave him a reason to get up in the morning and get back out and a reason to live when he otherwise his life kind of sucked at that point. Yeah. And that guy ended up with those same dogs ended up going and winning more 1,000-mile dog sled races than any other person in the history of dog mushing. Yeah. And that was Lance Mackey. Mm -hmm. And not only did he do that, but he did something that had been long considered to be impossible. He won the two 1,000-mile races that go the the same year. He won those back-to-back the same year. Mm. That had never been done before. It's not been done since. Mm. And that guy won eight 1,000-mile races with those dogs. And you could look at, I mean, looked at those, you look at those dogs, they were not anything, they were not anything special to anybody else. You didn't look at those dogs and think these dogs, boy, yeah. these guys are going to kill it. You know, they were in sewed up harnesses, dirty harnesses. You know, they were, they were big and tall. They were short and stubby. They were fl- fluffy. They were thin coated. It was a mismatched group of misfits led by a misfit. Yeah. yeah. And the guy loved those dogs so much. And those dogs loved that guy so much that they were able to do incredible things together. Things that will, I'm not sure will ever be repeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it came down to the connection to the dogs and not only, 
And it wasn't just that he's able to read dogs and he's got a way with dogs. That's that's part of it. But it was his his dedication to those dogs. Yeah. He felt like he was able to see their weaknesses and be like, hey, man, you saved my life. So it's okay that your code is crap. Mm-hmm. It's okay that your f- top speed is 12 miles an hour. You know, I, you were there when I was, could barely stand. I, come on, pal. I got yeah. you. You're with me. We're yeah. in this together. And it's an attitude that I think that a lot of dog mushers today don't have. And it's certainly an attitude that a lot of, a lot of dog people in general, houndsmen, dog mushers, whatever, don't have. Yeah. It's this, well, what have you done for me lately, man? I think I could get a better dog if I went and talked to this person instead of putting that time into that dog that, you know, may not ever be the natural talent that the Joneses have next door. But that connection, I, I have found that nothing has given me more satisfaction in my life and dogs, which is starting to be, a, that is starting to be a while. I'm new to the house, but I've been in dogs for a long time. Yeah. Nothing gives me more satisfaction than connecting that way with a dog. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wish that more people understood that and valued that because you know, and it, and it's why you get these kids that come out of nowhere with some no name dog with no name breeding and absolutely cr- just destroy mm-hmm. these fifteen thousand dollar dogs. Yeah, because they don't, in their eyes, that dog means the world to them. Yeah, you know that that that's a fifty dollar dog that they would not sell even before they win. They would not sell for fifty thousand dollars yeah and you you say go ahead and that's how my that's how my oldest sound is i mean she's you know i said she's that fifty dollar dog you offer me a million dollars for her she's not leaving my house yep she'll die sitting here sleeping on my bed where she's at right now yeah i mean she's she's (laughs) she's the one that got me into it she's the one that kind of started the obsession i guess you could say and you know and yeah she's no there's just something special about that one yeah Mm. In this day and age of houndsmen, I guess asking their hound, "What have you done for me lately?" When's the last time you heard a hound even imply that on who owned it or who was hunting it? Right, dogs don't do that. You know, it's been said that we're there for they're in our lives for part of our life, but we're in their lives for all of theirs. You know, because we outlive dogs mostly. Yep. And when you look at the loyalty, shared loyalty between you and your hound. You know, it needs to be shared. It needs to be equal. And like you were talking about your friend with those dogs, they were there through him through the hard times. And he was there no matter what little quirk they had. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, through social media and stuff, lost, but hopefully it's not, you know, with, with Townsman in general, they're, they're still out there. They're just not posting. But, uh, yeah, that that's what you were talking about is really what it's all about. I th- I think so. You know, I I in I, I I think so. You know, I, I think that it's those you know, you've got 
you've got your high dog there. You know, Charlie, you've got your uh, bed sleeping blue tick. Was it a blue tick? She's the blue tick walker. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I've got I've got Vitpi the trash running, you know, Barbie flake. <laughs> and you know, it's is she perfect? No. I'm not going to try and convince anybody that she's more than she is. But I value what she is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't care if anybody else I don't I don't care what other people think about that. And then I, I think that's something that probably comes with age. You know, yeah. you want validation from your peers, certainly. But ultimately, and you know, I'll, I'll say this to you guys, I'll, I'll say it to anybody who's in this sport, been in this sport for a while or is new in this sport. You got to focus on what makes you happy. Life is too short to be running dogs you don't like. Yep. Yeah. And if you run 50 dogs, if you burn through 50 dogs to find that one dog that you like, maybe it's worth it. Or maybe maybe you need to reevaluate how you're going about this. Mm-hmm. Because I'm betting that a, there are a couple in those 50 dogs that probably could have done well. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of guys' problems is they, you know, they'll get a dog and it's not perfect right out the gate. And they're like, oh, got to get rid of it, send it off to somebody else. And that's why they go through those right. 50 dogs. I mean, I had one of my best dogs I had, I got it from a friend of mine. She was like seven years old. We had to put her down a couple of years ago. They just didn't hunt her much because they tried to hunt her on like five or six different types of game and just never really, you know, she had like three litters of puppies and they're just like, well, you can have her if you want. Right. She ended up being one of the, probably the best dog I had. Yeah. She just needed somebody to give her a chance. That's all it was. Right. Mm-hmm. I think too, along with that is if you're getting into the sport, you need to manage your expectations with your experience. If you're, you know, I, I say this to, I get, like, I literally get four or five of these a day. People starting into the sport and all Sometimes I, I say they're kids. I assume they're, they're kids. What dog should I get? And I always recommend them to go find that eight-year-old that someone maybe is tired of and they're wanting to train mm-hmm. and start that route because, you know, your your experience level and your patience. I know this is my, this is my biggest issue, my patience. When training a pup, I done more damage than I did good because my patience wasn't there. To, to be in for the long haul, you know, and I had to learn that process and it's that way for a lot of people. So if you're looking to get into it, you kind of have to weigh that out too. Cause a lot of them guys that you say are going through 50 dogs or whatever, it could, a lot of times it's their fault because they didn't have the patience to sit down and work through those problems. Like you say, there could have been several in there that if under the right circumstances with someone who wrong, if you don't have it, but could have made that dog into what you really want it to be. So maybe it's better to start out with something that you don't have to put this work into and you can just go ahead and get into the sport and enjoy it. Then later, as you have some experience and, you know, kind of pick up into training something or whatever, yeah. you know, that's something I've always leaned towards. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you there. You know, you've got to, 
you've got to have realistic expectations uh, about what what you can realistically accomplish as as a youngster or as you know I say youngster but you know sort of with the understanding that when I say youngster I mean in the sport you know you can be 60 yeah, year old yeah. youngster in the sport I suppose but um you know but I'll also I I think that there's I talked to a <laughs> I talked to a well-known dog musher once where his solution every time somebody came to him with a problem his solution and it became his catchphrase that he wrote a book and it was all over his book too was get another dog <laughs> and you know his attitude was life is too short to run dogs that you don't like which i mean is true like you know like life is too short yeah. to hang with people you don't like life is too short to run dogs you don't like but you know, I, I I don't think that he totally knew the damage he was doing by telling people that, because you know what it meant is that he he had a bunch of dog you know, bunch of groupies that they never gave a dog a chance. Yeah, and some dogs take longer than others. Some I mean, do. that's something I've learned too. You know, my my one of my blue ticks, you know, pops. She was six months old i think she found her first layup coon by herself i was like sweet this dog's gonna be great and then it was like four or five months before she really even started you know, i was getting frustrated and i'd tell myself you know she's only a year old she's only right. yeah months old like, yeah relax like she's you know i mean just this year they've started really you know running the track and opening on track and i mean they were tree and coons but they were you know yeah. being silent they were you know so just some of them take more time than others yeah. and it's how much time you have to put into them. Yep. You know, yeah. you can only hunt once or twice a week. You know, I have a buddy that says, you know, you're not going to make a five night a week dog hunting once a week. Yep. You know, you're oh. not going to make that, you know, it's, it takes time. It takes time and it takes dedication. And I think that that's what, that, that's what I miss a little bit sometimes is there's dedication to the sport. That's, I see a ton of people with a bunch of dedication to the sport and the lifestyle. And I love that. I do. I, I really do love that. But I think that we've gotten to the point where we're so focused on results that we've started to lose the dedication to the individual dogs. Mm -hmm. And it's like you pointed out or, you know, earlier, Nick, that those super dogs, those legendary dogs that people talk about, most of those dogs had some crazy thing happen where in their life where the houndsman needed to sh have make a leap of faith mm -hmm. that this dog is worth my time. Yeah, exactly. And it pay it paid off, and I I, I've, I wonder whether we are losing that a little bit as a as a lifestyle, you know, as a part of the lifestyle where a little bit less dedication to the dogs themselves. Yeah, I think social media is where a lot of that is is stemming from. There's more of a push for the lifestyle than the craft. 
you don't you don't see many videos or are you starting to see more podcasts coming around and talking more about the the craft of raising training developing in a hound yep. so i mean i guess it is coming around some so i have to eat my words on it a little bit but you don't you still if you're someone who's new to the sport and you're needing that information that is very hard information to come by now if you need to find where to get a decal for your truck or a t-shirt or whatever right you know the lifestyle right but when it comes to the craft of it that is hard information especially if you don't have a mentor to take you out hunting or a grandpa or someone like that to, to really, you know, apprentice you into things. Yeah. So that's my opinion. I, I agree with that. And I think it's why I place, you know, things like bear hunting magazine or far cry, uh, full cry, mm. you know, or you know, the American beagle or whatever. I, I think that's why the, some of these print, publications and also a lot of these podcasts um you know not not mine mine is more of the come along while i bumble through this stuff but there are some great podcasts out there you know where where you can get a really good a lot of good information about how to start a dog yeah you know there's a lot of good information out there if you know where to look and social media is not necessarily that place you know i would i would recommend that people try and get back issues of full cry and bear hunting magazine where you can get you can get the opinions of somebody whose opinions actually matter yeah you know yeah like you say like back in the 70s and 80s if you bumped into someone, they said, oh, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a houseman. Well, how did, how did you learn that? Well, I, you know, since I was a kid, I've been walking behind grandpa right. in the woods leading mm-hmm. dogs. That's where I got my knowledge. That's my resume. And now there's it's so much easier to plug into the lifestyle, which is good because it brings people into it. Sure. But, yeah. you know, they got to be able to find that information, the correct information. And the places like you're talking about, that's where people got to be looking towards. Right. You know, because they may not have grandpa anymore. Or dad may not be a husband, whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's used to be how we used to get it. It was a hands on apprenticeship. And now it's good luck finding information, do the best you can. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. When did you uh, let's let's get back to you a little bit here, Charlie. When you when your family got out of the um the sled dogs, did you, did they go right into the hounds or is that something you found a little bit later on? I guess, I guess you said you got out when you're 10 and now you've been in this hound thing for about six months. So I guess that's probably not the case, but tell me a little bit about uh, how you got into the, what brought you to the hounds. So none of my family hunts really at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one or two bird hunters. Um, you know, actually a lot of my family, unfortunately, is kind of the you call them the yuppie city people, you know, <laughs> anti everything kind of thing. Um, always had dogs though. I mean, just about every shape and size and kind. And, okay. you know, when I was about 16, I got a black lab that I was going to train to be a bird, you know, a waterfowl dog. Yep. And, you know, being a 16 year old, I was like, this is way too much work. So I sat in the kennel and I never did anything with it. Okay. And ended up getting rid of that one. And, and it was about six, you know, always like I always had different dogs from pit bull to, you know, we had a Rottweiler for a while and we had just about every kind of dog you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then it was, you know, right. It was six years ago. I was like, you know, I really want to get a hunting dog. And I was looking at bird dogs again. I was like, man, these are all so expensive. These are ridiculously priced. Like I'm not spending $2,500 on a puppy. This is dumb. And then I found this ad on Facebook for these blue tick Walker puppies. And I was like, well, you know, I don't really want to, you know, and everything I was reading was like, oh, you know, coon dogs. I was like, I don't really want to coon hunt with them, but maybe I can get her, you know, and have her like rabbit hunt and do like shed hunt and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I went and picked her up and went to a local um, beagle club. It was actually kind of where I met one of my mentors. Um, and he's like, you know, she's going to be way too big to be able to hunt rabbits around here because they got to be able to get through the blackberries and sure you know they're really sure. tight it's like she's just gonna be too big to do it and you know it's a little discouraging at first but i mean he was right i mean she's i mean she's only about 40 pounds but she's way too big to do that um and then so i started going out coon hunting with them and then really just kind of got hooked on it sure cool here we are now i got i got four hounds and a beagle and you know <laughs> yeah that's awesome. What made you get a beagle? Uh, well, I had um, somebody up from one of our other pod, one of the other pod, hound podcasts, and he spent a week here hunting with me, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go beagle hunting. So I have I knew a guy that had some really good beagles, mm-hmm. and so we went out with him, and then that kind of hooked me on the beagles. Sure. My youngest daughter fell in love with one of them. And she just bugged us and bugged us and bugged us and bugged us. And I was like, all right, fine. You know, we'll go ahead and get it. And, well, now there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> now I'd have a whole bunch of them too if I had the space and the money for them. Yeah, right. It's some of the best things in my life came started with uh, one of my kids harassing me about something. Yeah, just kind of stumbled into it. Now, you know, here we are. That's awesome. That is, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So a lot, like you said, you know, with having a mentor or something, it's like, I started this with nothing, just Facebook and the internet's what I, you know, right. Yeah. Was based in my training and everything off of. And, you know, now heck my training with my last, these two litter mate blue ticks was, I never showed them one in a cage, hmm. never did any scent drags. Hmm. I just took them out and hunted them. I just put them out chasing game and they're doing great. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the greatest pleasures I get from learning this whole, this whole hound thing is, is is trying to do a little bit better every, every time. Yeah. You know, and wanting to, you know, do better with Mike than I did with Dan, do better with Dan than I did with Buzz, do better with Buzz than I did with Vipi. And, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where, um, I've had, I've had nobody that I've been able to go and hunt with in terms of a mentor, but this is one of the positives about social media. You know, now I'm, now I'm going to be positive about social media. <laughs> you know, one of the positives is that you can go through these sites and, you know, read comments and things like that. And you get a pretty quickly, you can get a pretty good idea of who actually knows what they're talking about. And yeah. then you can contact them directly. And that's, that's yeah. what got me, 
you know, that I made leaps and bounds that way, you know, because I got into it before a lot of these podcasts were even started, you know, which is not that long ago. I mean, kind of keep in mind, it's not, it really is not that long ago that these podcasts, these hound podcasts have been around. And, you know, but some of these Facebook pages have been around for a while and was able to go in there and, you know, find guys like Jared Moss, Ross Elwinger, and, you know, found your YouTube channel, Nick, and, you know, just you start to find people who don't pretend that they know everything but put out information and put, mm-hmm. and put it out in a way that's not this is how you do it but hey this is what happened this is how i responded and this is how the dog then responded which is such you know it's it's such a valuable such a valuable thing i think you know, anybody that has the ability to think for themselves and think critically can go into some of these Facebook pages and you can find the people that know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, so that's the great thing about social media is that if you're a little bit critical when you're reading, going through some of this stuff, you can find people that are enormously generous with their time their advice, you know, I don't know how many times I've sent poor Mark Dufresne messages asking him, asking him questions, you know, mm-hmm. same with Eric Partolo, the guy, uh, you know, a, guy, a buddy of mine now over in, over in Sweden, we connected on, on in social media and he, you know, that guy is a wealth of good anecdotes and stories and information. Buddy, you know, for me, I, I don't absorb information from know-it-alls. Like I can't, I just can't, I've got a right. mental block. I just can't do it. Yeah. You know, so for me, a prerequisite for all of this is that the person needs to be humble. Mm-hmm realistic about their dogs, realistic about themselves. And there's got to be a level of curiosity there, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, I can, you know, one of my, one of my pals over here, excellent, excellent houndsman, uh, just in his ability to read dogs and his curiosity is, is, is John Steiner Vungen. And that's one of the, one of my favorite things is talking to him about issues that I'm having or challenges that I'm having or whatever, because he gets so excited about them. You know, it's so rare that I'll, I'll, I can send him a problem and, you know, some, I'll share the problem with some people and they'll be like, oh man, that sucks. And his reaction is going to be, oh man, that's super interesting, you know? He gets like right. jazzed up about yeah. it, which I love that attitude. I love that, huh, this has not happened to me before. This is cool. Yeah. You know, and so for in that way, I think social media is just awesome. Because you can filter yeah. through a lot of the crap and find some just awesome, awesome people. Who are yeah, going to be absolutely. all about if helping you, you out. 
if you find someone out there is basically posting the highlight reel, if they're just kind of throwing their documentation of, like you said, this happened, this is what I did, this is the result, worked for me. You know, if you got this situation, you want to try it, here you go. Here's some info. Those are the people you got to connect with. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily the ones that are, this is the only way you do it this way. My way is the best way. Well, yeah. it's not always the case. It doesn't work for everybody. Oh, I, yeah. f- I find that anybody that says my way is the best way is almost always wrong. <laughs> 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 but... Well, guys, we've been doing this for about an hour and a half already, which just blows me away how fast these things go. Get a couple of dog mm-hmm. guys sitting around talking, and it just it just goes so fast. It's unbelievable. But um, do you have anything uh, anything else you want to hit on, Charlie? Before we uh, before we call it an, or a morning for you, an evening for me, an afternoon for Nick? <laughs> yeah, we're kind of all over the place. We're all over the place here. No, I think we covered a lot. It was, it was good talking to you guys. Yeah, likewise, my friend. It was uh, nice to meet you, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me come on. Oh, absolutely. Nick, anything uh, Anything you want to touch on before we uh, call it a day? I think we uh, we covered this one pretty good, but Charlie, it was good seeing you. Fair. Man, I appreciate you always having me on here. It's oh, absolutely. It's always, uh, it's, it's always a good time to sit down and talk to you. I, I appreciate you. Uh, putting up with me for a few hours every few weeks here (laughs) all right guys all right take care see ya see ya man i love that sound